Welcome back, everybody. It's the Betting Pros College Football Show. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter, at Bogman Sports. Joined, as always, by the incomparable Thor uh, Nystrom. Follow him on the Twitter, at ThorKU. Hey, look, man, we got through week one. We got through, like, you know, the the outside sale of week zero, and then we got the whole thing of week one. It was intense. It was fun. That Florida State-LSU game was incredible down to the end. NC State and ECU had a great finish. A lot of fun games week one. Uh, even more good action coming week two, Thor. So uh, how was week one for you, and are you ready and all juiced up for week two? It, it, it was great. Yeah, having the five straight days of college football. I, last night with no college football on, I was like, you know, an anchorman when Burgundy's just wandering around the streets with the, the warm milk. It was like me <laughs> last night. Milk no was a football. bad choice. Yeah. <laughs> no college football was a bad choice. But, you know, we got to get through a couple more days and then we'll get it back. But, yeah, having the full card in week one was super fun. Yeah, and actually, you know, how we usually are going to do these shows is we're going to kick off, start talking about the Thursday and Friday games. But the next two weeks, we got to find something extra uh, because there's not a lot of action on there's no action on either Thursday and uh, only a couple games on Friday. This week, the Friday games are uh, Louisville at UCF. UCF is a six and a half point favorite, the over 61 and a half there. I know you are a little on the, the Louisville side, but probably more of a stay away. Uh, Boise State is a 16 and a half point favorite at New Mexico. The over is 44 there. You like Boise State pretty handedly in that game. So uh, let's start with that one, Thor. We will obviously talk about the top five games also, and then uh, the games that you like the most this week. But uh, let's start out with Boise State and New Mexico. Why uh, Why is Boise State going to win this game by uh, more than three touchdowns? Well, th- the reason the line is depressed is because Boise State stunk in the first half last week, but that was a Hank Bachmeyer production. You know, I mean, he had thrown three turnovers and been benched and Boise State had gotten down by three touchdowns before half the people had even tuned in, you know. And so that game totally got away from Boise immediately because of all these turnovers from the starting quarterback. And then they yanked him. The backup looked pretty dang good. Uh, This kid named like Taylon Green or I think is what his name is. But and not only did he look good as a freshman, but he looked good in a far different way than we have seen recent Boise State quarterbacks. Green ended up rushing for more than 100 yards against Oregon State, became the first quarterback since, I believe, 2014 for Boise State to rush for more than 100 yards. It's going to be interesting in this game who they go with at quarterback. Do you go with the old guard in Bachmeyer, who previously the number one thing you could say about him was consistency? You know, I mean, yeah. he, he was more, you know, like in the vein of like, the guys that they had in the past, like Rippon, you know, being, being one of the most recent examples sure. where, you know, you, you felt like you were going to get the accuracy, maybe not the explosive stuff, but, you know, and you weren't going to get anything outside of the pocket, but you didn't get that last time. Is is he going to revert back into to old Hank or is he going to be bad Hank again if you go with him or are you going to go with, with, with Green? Um, and then, you you know, you probably you're giving your offense more uh, variance there because he, he is less well-known. But you're certainly going to be improving the mobility behind center in a way that, again, we haven't seen in almost a decade at Boise State. So so that's one of the interesting things to look at. But um, Boise State also had a couple injuries in, in the first week. One of them was to a rotational receiver. Shouldn't matter much. The other one was to their, their uh, top cornerback. 
But in this game, that doesn't really matter either because New Mexico can't throw the ball. Right. You know, yeah. It's, it's, you know, Miles Kendrick was, was, you know, the old Kansas backup quarterback. He was the guy that transferred over there. He's just a little scrambler. And, and they're trying to incorporate more option concepts into their offense as well. New Mexico just wants to run, run, run. N- nothing that happened with Boise State is going to compromise defending that. Um, and so I, I think Boise State matches up pretty well defense against offense against New Mexico. And Boise State's quarterback play can definitely not be as bad as it was last week. I think last week's the result was a little bit fluky in that the game was already over, you know, midway through the second quarter because of these really bad decisions by Bachmeyer, um, it, it, it's not a game that you can put a lot of emphasis in, in terms of the predictability going forward, just because the game script was, you know, got away from both teams right away, just because of the way that, that thing started out first 20 minutes. So I, I do like Boise state. I feel like this line has gone too far the other way, you know, so, sort of making an indictment of the way that Boise state played in week one, when I don't believe that that's transferable to week two. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you right there. This is, you know, this might be an avoid because we don't know what's going on with the quarterback at Boise State. Like, I would understand that, but I don't think it really matters who starts a quarterback for Boise State in this one. I think they're going to smash New Mexico even in a road game. So it's a big line. I understand uh, not liking it, uh, but it's also you get itchy on Friday with no action on Thursday uh, for college. You start to get itchy on Friday. Give me something. If you're going to take something on Friday, I would lay the points and take Boise State. That's for sure. For um, sure. And, and you know, g- going to the other one, it's another example where you're going to get value. Um, in, in this case, it's on the underdog, but because of a week one result, right? Like, Louisville shockingly gets stomped by Syracuse. The books, you know, and, and I downgraded Louisville in my power rankings. Sure. Fairly significantly. And yet still my line on this game is UCF minus 1.7, whereas Vegas is, is minus five and a half. That line being where it is, that spread being where it is, it's more indicative of, of Vegas responding to the market, which does not want to bet on Louisville after what it saw in week one, as opposed to reality you would expect at least somewhat of Louisville cannot play as bad as they did in week one. I just don't believe it. I like, I don't believe that that's going to be the team that they are all, all season long. So I do think there's a little bit of value on, on Louisville. It's just, you have to have some courage to bet them because of the way they looked in week one stones. You got to have the stones to, to bet on Louisville. Uh, you're absolutely right. I don't have it. Uh, after seeing that game, I just don't want to mess with Louisville at all whatsoever. I think if I've taken something in that game, it's probably the under 61 and a half because Louisville's offense looks so pathetic, but uh, I'm probably just going to not touch it. Um, now here's some games and obviously these numbers change. I mean, you know, any of you that have a, you know, uh, a subscription to some of these places, you can see where the money is getting lane, uh, laid. So uh, you can see where the cash is going, where the tickets are going and that kind of stuff. I just wanted to go over some cash games that are getting oh, overwhelming majority right now. Now, look, the majority of the bets come in Friday and Saturday. So this is just for the early betters, but usually the early betters are the sharps, you know, the, the smart people that work within the industry and yep. things like that. So I just wanted to go over a couple of these games here. I'm going to run down them uh, real quick, Thor, and you talk about any of them that intrigue you. We got, you know, a majority of the cash. I don't want to give out numbers because those are usually behind paywalls and stuff like that. But 
Ohio State laying the 44 and a half enormous number against Arkansas State uh, has a lot. Wake Forest minus 13 and a half at Vandy is getting a lot of love. UTSA minus two and a half against Army. Um, South Carolina at Arkansas over 53 is getting some love, surprisingly to me. Uh, Maryland at Charlotte under 65 and a half. Uh, is getting a lot of love. ECU minus 12 and a half versus ODU. UAB laying nine and a half at Liberty. Liberty's down a quarterback. Most likely Syracuse at UConn under 49 uh, is getting bet on. EMU plus 11 and a half at Louisiana. Arizona State at Oklahoma State over 57 and a half. And BC plus two and a half versus Virginia Tech, which both those teams look pathetic uh, last week. But um, so, you know, Mainly, we're laying points here. A couple over-unders there. I think that was four over-unders. And what would that be? Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five over-unders. And then the rest against the spread. Uh, not many were, were uh, taking points outside of EMU plus 11 and a half. Uh, any of these that, that you like, Thor, and, and you're kind of with the public on? We might, we might have to go over them one more time. I, my my memory's my snap memory is pretty good, but not that good. Um, <laughs> I but, thought you were on the sheet. That's my bad. I will send it to you again. Oh, Ohio, uh, Ohio State, th- that line is objectively fair. That's right where my, my number is on it. The the Army one was interesting because that is one of the examples this week where the, the, the market favorite is different than mine, where I think the, the wrong team is favored. My line on that game is Army minus 1.1. UTSA is minus two and a half live. Um, you know, UTSA, a lot of people were watching when they kept that game really close against Houston. They easily could have won that game. Um, I think that they're getting a little bit of, of credit for that, um, which might explain why there's that 3.6 uh, point discrepancy. One of the, the ones that I liked really early in the one of my early week bets was on Syracuse. That, that was a line that opened at minus 20 and a half. That was a mistake by Vegas. They 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 opened that too low. They, it seemed like that they were nodding at you know a better performance coming out by UConn than we had expected. Played played tight with Utah State. Might have won that game if their starting quarterback hadn't gotten hurt. Beat the FCS opponent last week. But the Vegas did not seem to be recognizing that Syracuse was the team that that just absolutely dropped the hammer on Louisville. Um, and so Syracuse wasn't getting the respect that I felt that they would get. And I talked with, with Thomas about that on our Sunday show. That line went from 20 and a half to now it's 22 and a half or whatever. I, I expect that line to be like 24 at kick. What 20, about the under? That, that That's the one that's getting bet on the under, the Syracuse game. Uh, I don't know. This once again feels like – it feels weird. Like uh, they gave UConn the respect, but then – you would think this number is under because traditionally uh, both these offenses have stunk recently, but they both look good. So under 49 and a half and and getting bet on a lot. I don't, it just feels like I don't want to touch it. It feels the opposite of of where I think. So I think it it almost feels like somebody knows something I don't know, you know? So what do you think of that over under? Yeah, I I probably won't touch it either, but UConn's defense has looked better than we expected it to be in these first couple of weeks. They were hitting hard in that Utah state game and, and people were pursuing the ball. Whereas in recent years, you didn't see that kind of effort people flying around or, you know, like, you know, when the guy got tackled, there's like four or five Yukon guys around. We saw that in week one week two, they shut out the lights on the FCS opponent, but you know, I mean, it, 
I mean, but for UConn the, over the last couple of years, I, I guess that was impressive holding that team to, to three points or whatever. Syracuse defense looked awesome in, in week one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess if, if, if I was to lean one way, it, it probably would be the under. Um, but we'll have to see how UConn can deal with that Syracuse offense that now has a passing element, whereas previously it was just Schrader and Tucker running out the shotgun spread. Now with Robert and I coming in, the offensive coordinator that they got from Virginia, a guy who's known for the sideline-to-sideline passing game, Garrett Schrader's passing in week one ticked way up against Louisville. Louisville certainly has a better defense than UConn does, even though Louisville doesn't appear to have a great one. So you would think that Syracuse will be able to move the ball on on UConn, but um, probably a stay away from me overall. A couple of these other games, I'll just reiterate them here since you're uh, not on the sheet, but uh, Wake Forest by 13.5 at Vandy, UTSA minus 2.5 at Army. Uh, South okay, let's, Carolina. Let, let's, let, let's stop right there. So Okay, so, good. W- Wake Forest is getting Sam Hartman back. That, that line had, started, had opened at 6.5, which was probably a nod towards Vandy starting out 2-0. But when once that, that Hartman thing was announced, the line jumps up six points. So – that is interesting in and of itself. That tells you that Las Vegas, that market, that that hive mind, they think Sam Hartman is worth six points on the spread. I, I happen to agree with them on that. <laughs> he, he's, he's worth a ton to that team, and, and you're getting him back yeah. now. I would love to fade Vandy on this number because they're they're two and all star. It's it's a mirage, right? Like, <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> I yeah. know it is. Yeah. They, Hawaii now is one of the bottom three FBS teams in my power rankings. They're down there with New Mexico State, and I think UMass is the other one. And then last week, uh, Vanderbilt beat an FCS team by like eleven. You know, um, and so they're definitely not as good as as people think or you know that at least that the record indicates whereas wake forest now you'd think with Hartman back that they they're not going to look exactly like they did last year when they were so awesome right away you wouldn't think but they're they're going to start to get back closer to that so you have to tick them way up it's just with the number jumping up to where it did that that one goes right in line with what what my number was my number on that game is is wake forest minus 12.4 so it's it's basically right there at at the 13 number so I'm I'm probably going to stay away with from that, even though my lean definitely would be towards uh, Wake Forest. Uh, how about UTSA minus two and a half at Army? Yeah, so so that one I'm definitely leaning towards Army. Definitely my bet Army because I feel that Army should be favored. Um, you know that's why I have them at minus one. Army at minus one point one. Live line on that is is UTSA minus two and a half. And like I said, I I think that the reason this that- is a market line, correct, Thor? Like this is so we see UTSA take Houston to the brink. Uh, three overtimes. Their offense looked good, even though they lost sincere McCormick and all that stuff. Um, and Army is just known as a team that. They're hit or miss. Sometimes they hit and look good and go to bowl games and uh, spank a team like Houston who doesn't show up. Sometimes, you know, they run the triple option. They win four four games for the whole season. So um, this, to me, this is a, you know, this is a perception line. You just saw UTSA take a ranked team to the brink. They did drop it, but they're very good. And they're coming off, you know, um, uh, a very good season last year. Army can be hit or miss. So, um I think for me, this is kind of a stay away, but you like Army. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I at least that's the way I lean right now. I have not bet this game yet. Um, I don't feel that I have to because it's not over one of the key numbers. For someone that's interested in Army, with UTSA being minus two and a half, you can wait to see if you can get three or three and a half. But 
you're not risking anything by waiting. I mean, th- that line right. could move five points the other way, and there's not going to be a tangible difference in for Army betters, I- at least. So that that's going to be one where I'm waiting until game day. But last week, Army opened at Coastal Carolina. They lost by 10. It, it, you know, again, going back to the perception thing, I think people, when they watch UTSA take Houston down to the wire, they look far more impressive than Army losing by 10 to a Coastal Carolina team that wasn't as impressive last year, but that was in part because Grayson McCall had missed that time with injury. So, yeah, I I do think that's a perception against reality line for sure. I like it. I like it. Uh, A couple other games here, and then we'll go to the top five of the week. Um, Do you like laying or do you like the under on Maryland at Charlotte 65 and a half because Charlotte did look so pathetic last week? The one thing you could point to to support that would be, um, and I haven't seen the the most updated. I, I think Chris Reynolds is going to still be out. Charlotte, they have been one of the worst FBS teams to this point, in large part because their veteran starting quarterback Chris Reynolds got hurt in Week One. Yeah, their backups are not very good. Um, the Texas, they had this Texas A and M transfer that had come in that they had had as their top backup. I just don't think that kid has it. Um, and so th- then they tried this this other kid. I think Xavier Williams is his name, something like that. Um, but he is very clearly not what Reynolds is. It's several steps down. And so Charlotte's offense, which was constructed around this quick uh, hitting passing game where you have th- three really good receivers. I mean, Charlotte has a really, really good receiving core and a deep one. But without Reynolds, that stuff doesn't work as well. And what they were not as good at, it was the running game. And so it's it's really hurt on both ends of it because now this Williams guy can't hit the receivers like like Reynolds does, and then you have to run the you have to try to run the ball a little bit more both with quarterback scrambles mm-hmm. and with the kids that you have back, and the defense is ready for it. So it, it has not gone well for for Charlotte early on. Maryland's offense is they have the awesome receiving core as well. Um, it, it's a really hard one to gauge just because of the issues that Charlotte has had with their personnel and offense that that came from the the quarterback injury. Probably another one that I'm not going to bet, but it, it is interesting to think about. All right, let's go over to the top five games of the week. Last couple of games are kind of hard to pick here, but uh, the number one game I think on everyone's mind, and uh, it definitely is for me, and it has been for a couple of years at this point, is number one Alabama on the road against my Texas Longhorns. This one uh, opened up at minus 17. It has grown to minus 20. For Bama, it's uh, also another one of the games. I did just didn't mention it in the section before because I knew we were going to talk about it here. Overwhelming majority of the money is on Bama in, in this game. Uh, the over on this one is going to be uh, 64 and a half. Uh, you see it a little closer, but I don't know. Are, are you actually putting money on my Longhorns here, uh, Thor? What do you think? I'll tell you this, Bogman. I, I have not yet, <laughs> certainly. If the market pushes that game to 21 or certainly 21 and a half, if they're going to tempt me like that, I'm putting my <laughs> hand in that cookie jar on the Longhorns. Let's go. It's, it's, I mean, right now at 20, it's not enough for me quite yet. Even though I, I am showing huge uh, uh, line value on, on sure. Texas, my, my line right now on that game, it's Alabama minus 12 and a half. So I'm showing seven and a half points of line value theoretically on Texas. But I also, you know, we, we talked about this. Like, I think this Alabama team could be one of the best teams of my lifetime. Right. And, and I've only seen this new look Texas team against UL Monroe last week where they were pulling the starters super duper early. And they sure. weren't giving the – they weren't uh, funneling the touches to guys like 
Bijan specifically that we're going to see when they play a team like Alabama. So we don't completely know what to know from them yet. Or Quinn Ewers when he plays a good defense, we just don't know. Um, I, so right now with where the spread is, certainly not laying those points with Alabama. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be laying either way. I can't take the twenty with Texas yet. But again. If the market wants my, my bet on Texas, all you got to do is push that line to 21 or 21 and a half, certainly, and I'm going to bet on Texas. Uh, the second game that we have up here this week, uh, number nine, Baylor at number 21, BYU. BYU is a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. 53-and-a-half is the line here. Um, this looks more like a stay away, at least on the spread, right? I think so. It's it's one of those where my my numbers lean one way, and I personally lean a different way, which is usually when I end up like staying away, unless I'm super bullish on, on my opinion. But my, my number on that game is BYU minus five is what my systems number is. So it seemed to give two points of line value to BYU on the spread. But the team that I'm bullish on is Baylor. I'm super bullish on them. I was bullish on them over the summer, bet all their overs and stuff like that. I thought they had a criminally low win total that was put out. Was that seven and a half or whatever? I think that this team is an absolutely legitimate uh, Big 12 contender. And, and you know, this can be an interesting one. You, you have a revenge factor going for BYU. But on the other side of it, they have major issues at receiver right now. Gunnar Romney did not play in the first game. Did not hear a lot of information about that. It was just like one of those where, you know, the, the time leading up to kickoff, you heard he wasn't going to be playing. Then they So because of that, in part, they were given all this usage early on to Puka Nakua. Right. And, you know, throwing on the ball, but like also they, they were getting him involved with the, the jet sweep game and all this sort of stuff. His first two jet sweeps against uh, USF in the first quarter, both went for touchdowns. The, the first one, he had this long touchdown run. Second one is like seven, eight, nine yards, like something like that. They tried it a third time in the first quarter and USF was ready for it that time. It was like that old George Bush quote where it's like, you know, fool me once, can't get fooled again or whatever. Fool, can't get fooled again. Exactly. <laughs> and, and USF just swarms Nakua. Nakua gets injured. You know, they, they bring him off. He's in the medical tent. He was done for the day. If Nakua can't play and Gunnar Romney can't play and you're going up against this nasty Baylor defense, Dave Aranda always has nasty defenses. They did lose, you know, Petrie and Terrell Bernard over the offseason. But, like, for instance, you have a first-round guy playing nose guard, you know, the, like an LSU transfer that had come over, who's just an absolute war daddy. They had, you know, a bunch of guys back, you know, beyond that, whatnot. But if you don't have the receiving play at BYU, it's all going to come down to Christopher Brooks, the running back, and then uh, Jaron Hall just sort of scrambling around, lest they can find a, a receiver or whatever, or you're forcing targets at Isaac T. Rex, you know, I mean, one <laughs> One way or the other, I, I do lean Baylor on this game, and I do think that you can toggle my number back a little bit if 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 those if the BYU receivers do end up missing that game. I think you could you could sort of manually adjust this thing back to BYU minus three. Might explain some of the discrepancy. I'm absolutely not betting on BYU because of how much I believe in Baylor. <laughs> yeah, I, I will think about betting Baylor. For this one, though, for me, it's probably would not be a spread bet. This is probably going to be something I wait until Saturday morning. And if I'm still feeling the conviction I do on Baylor, I'll just do the money line. I, I don't think the points sure. are going to matter in this one. Why not take the plus 
you know, 130 or plus 140 or whatever it is on Baylor at that point. Get a little more juice by taking that money line. If it's going to be close anyway, you know, uh, go ahead and take it. I'm absolutely with you uh, on that uh, that play. Um, Number 20, Kentucky on the road in the swamp against now number 12, Florida. Florida is a four and a half point favorite. 52 and a half is the over on this game. You like Florida, but you know, you, you see this game as more of a coin flip, right, Thor? I do, yeah. I, you know, the um, my numbers do favor Florida, but it's only by eight-tenths of a point, you know, Florida minus 0.8 points. So I, I do see the line value being on the Kentucky side. I think you can explain that discrepancy just by the end of what happened in the Florida-Utah game. I think if Florida loses that game, I think that this line opens at something like, Florida minus two and a half or minus three, but because Richardson put on his, his, you know, Superman cape at the very end of that game. <laughs> and then like we were talking about, maybe the refs miss a holding call on that interception yeah. or pass interference, whatever, because of those, the confluence of those couple of things, Florida gets these couple extra points of line value. And you understand the respect. I mean, Utah was a team that was being hyped and then Florida comes number in seven. Exactly. Came in at number seven, top 10 team in the nation, and they lose on the road. That's a tough game on the road. I did pick Utah in my article. I I, I wrote them up, and, and I was uh, seven and three uh, this week, and that's one of the three that I missed, unfortunately. I got the hook on Pittsburgh, and I missed the uh, the under on the Nevada game by a point and a half. So all my all my games are like by a hair uh, from from having a really really solid week. Um, seven and three still good, but uh, that that was one that bothered me. But yeah, I mean Richardson looks like a Heisman contender right now. Uh, like you said before, though, we're never going to see that spin around throw to the end uh, throw to the end zone. Was that a conversion play? That yeah, he had, uh, yeah. yeah, but but I mean, Kentucky's another strong team. I see this as much closer of a coin flip, uh, like you do. I do too, yeah. And and Kentucky didn't get the same. I, I think this is worth noting. They didn't get the same stage to impress in the way that the Florida did. They, they played sort of a middle tier pack or, or MAC team, maybe a little bit above middle tier, but Miami of Ohio. People weren't watching that game. But everybody, everyone and their mother was watching Florida against Utah and saw what Richardson did at the end and everything like that and pulling out that game. So that's why you're seeing the little bit of a difference between what I feel is objective reality and then perception on that game. I do think that has opened a window here of value for Kentucky betters. Uh, how about, you know, the last two were kind of hard to pick. Uh, I threw this one in here because it's got number 12, Oklahoma State at home, 12 and a half, 10 and a half point favorites, excuse me, over Arizona State. 57 and a half is the uh, over under in this game. But you see a decent amount of value on the Arizona State side. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get to find out personally if, uh, well, let me put it this way. Over over the <laughs> summer, Arizona State was one of those teams that I was like bullish on against what their win total was. So I knew that I was significantly higher on Arizona State than the market was. Arizona State, of course, they had lost a whole bunch of guys in the transfer portal. And initially, just like everybody else, I just expected, you know, whether Herm was going to get fired or Herm wouldn't be able to replace all the guys that were leaving, different stuff like that. But Herm ends up hanging on. And then he got guys that I felt like were pretty solid signings in the transfer portal, like 
Emory Jones, that's a pretty solid one. Might be an upgrade over Jaden Daniels. Absolutely, uh, to be honest, I would. Jaden Daniels did not look good. He looked uh, awful against Florida State. He looked. (laughs) If I was Keisha Butte, you know, you know, they they fired Lane Lane Kiffin (laughs) on the tarmac. If if I was Butte, I would have transferred on the tarmac after that game. Uh, He unfollowed everything. I guess he he didn't uh, put in for a transfer yet, but he was very mad. So as he should have been, Daniels talked it too much that was ridiculous he sure did yeah and, and with daniels it's like he has to see the guy open and then his mind has to be like Jaden, he's open throw the ball and then it's like <laughs> beat, 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 beat. and then finally he starts throwing it by that point the defender's there so it's yeah. like he also has accuracy issues beyond that but but it's like this thing that's exacerbating and i Butte, i think is justifiably i mean a part of that was, on, you know, like I, I was making fun of Daniels and, and Brian Kelly on Twitter on, on Sunday yeah. night or whatever. But like, you know, some LSU fans were coming back of like, you know, this is on Butte too. He's not putting out good effort. He has bad body language. Well, yeah, they got to find a different way to get him the ball. Run some reverses, short routes, what? Put him in the backfield, whatever. Just amen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just generate touches. It's not hard for your best player. They do in the NFL. That's why Debo was running the ball. They, they, you know, Jimmy G is not a good quarterback, so they manufacture touches for the best players. It's what you have to do. So, the other thing yeah. is, it's like, guys, you really can't understand why Butte is frustrated. Really, he turned down millions and millions. He turned down generational wealth from the NFL. First off, right. Mm-hmm. Second off, Alabama was coming at him. Right at when yeah. Alabama figured out that he wasn't going to the NFL, Alabama wanted him bad. And all the rumors were, you know, in reports coming out was Butte was going to go to Alabama. All of a sudden it, it just switched in one day. And it's like, no, now he's going back. And then you saw Alabama turn around. And they're like, oh, we can't pluck the wide receiver one off LSU. Well, we'll just pluck the wide receiver one off of Georgia instead. And so they, they ended up signing, <laughs> signing Burton. But like, like Butte, he must have been sold something. In order to come back, if you're going to leave that on the table, you're going to leave $20 million, $25 million on the table, not go to the NFL. And you're going to leave being on one of what, what, what could be one of the best offenses we see. Well, after you watch how he coached, you got to know Brian Kelly's got a silver tongue. So oh. <laughs> Brian Kelly not a has... silver playbook, but a silver tongue. That's well, for sure. Yeah. Wh- whatever the opposite of a silver tongue is, I think Brian <laughs> Kelly has. I, I don't know how Brian Kelly convinced Butte to, to come there, but um, I wouldn't put it beyond Brian Kelly to be selling him things that were not true. And you, you could you could understand maybe why Butte would be a little bit frustrated in week one. Yeah, you could but, but, but let's let's get back because we we yeah. completely got off the rails there. Uh, Arizona State at Oklahoma State. You see value on the ASU side. You know, we've talked about Emory Jones. Yeah. Right down this yeah. Ellison rabbit hole. So why why is it that you like ASU uh, in this matchup? It's a road matchup. There's been a lot of turmoil around ASU. I think yep. that's why a big part of public perception and why this number is so big. And you like ASU in this game. Before we move on, I do have to do my family. Um, okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for Arizona State, you know, like like I was setting up, I'm higher on them than the market is, and I'm certainly lower on Oklahoma State than the market is. I don't think the market took quite enough into account that. 
Oklahoma State last year, last couple of years, but specifically last year, was a team that was was led not by the foot of their offense, which is what you typically, you know, going historically, you associate with Mike Gundy teams. Last year, it was the defense. The defense was friggin' awesome. You know, you had Malcolm Rodriguez and all those different guys, and they finished as a top 10 defense. Jim Knowles, of course, the architect of that defense, he walked to Ohio State. And Oklahoma State lost something like seven defenders off of that defense. So I knew that what their best thing was, it had been cratered out this offseason. What they returned, it was the offensive guys. But I've never been a Spencer Sanders guy. That, he Looked makes great many, last week. Well, he was playing Central Michigan, too. I mean, chips <laughs> up. You know, definitely chips up. But, like, yeah, I, we're going to have to see it against a, a legitimate defense. So, I mean, you have that going on on, on that side where – you know, like, I, d- I do not think that Oklahoma State is going to be better than they were last year. I think objectively they have taken a step back. Sure. Whereas I think the market expected or what they think is an Arizona State drop several, several uh, notches. Whereas I only think they dropped maybe like one notch or one and a half right. notches, like something like that. You know what I mean? It's very understandable. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Spencer, uh, Spencer Sanders or Spencer Rattler? Which Spencer is the better Spencer? Oh, uh, Spencer here? Rattler for sure. Really? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm a Texas fan, so I can't like Spencer Rattler. But, you know, uh, anyway, the last of the top five games here, number four, Tennessee, a six and a half point road favorite uh, against number 17, Pitt. The over is 66, a lot of scoring here. You actually kind of like Pitt in this game, correct? So uh, Pitt was very unimpressive last week. Uh, I'm very mad at them right now. I lost (laughs) a decent chunk of change because of that hook. I I was texting back and forth with you. Uh, You knew I I was mad. Now, look, you know, you move forward another week, but the opponent gets tougher here. I think Tennessee is a good team, so I am legit surprised that you're on the Pitt side after watching them last week. You know, the defense is supposed to be good. Maybe they're going to get better after a sloppy week one and really bow up against Tennessee. So I think because you like Pitt, I'm going to avoid this game out of respect for you, Thor. But I like Tennessee here. I have to say it. I, I'm, uh, I, think, uh, I think the volunteers walk away with this one. So why do we like Pitt? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on Pitt. You know, the last week, you know, we talked about this on, on the show that, that we just did for Discord, but Pitt was rolling on offense when Rodney Hammond was rolling on offense. And, you know, he was he sort of jumped out where we thought Israel Abanaconda was going to be the lead of that committee. Israel Abanaconda was not good in that game. Like, he was just getting stoned at the line. He looked a little bit sluggish. Hammond was good at both as a runner and as a receiver. He gets knocked out of that game by an illegal targeting shot to his helmet, and he ended up hurting his leg or his knee or whatever. Um, and then when he went out, the, the off- their offense wasn't doing quite as good. They still beat Pitt by, by seven points, but Hammond had uh, 55 yards receiving, 74 uh, rushing, and then a couple touchdowns as well. Uh, you know, we, we talked about Pitt a lot last week, you know, about how the offense was going to be down uh, a little bit, and the passing offense was going to be down bit rushing offense are going to come up a little bit but their offense was going to be down overall a little bit and then the defense probably was going to get better the, that was the part of it that we didn't see as much like daniel or you know the west virginia offense played a little bit better but what it, it was it, you had these explosive plays that west virginia was getting and i don't know if that was just because of the heat that the pit was was doing up front Pitt was a team that finished number two in the nation last year in sacks per game but like um, that Donaldson, I don't even know where this kid Donaldson came from, like that, <laughs> that West Virginia had. He's a kid who in uh, college, college fantasy football, he has dual eligibility of both running back and tight end. 
But anyhow, he uh, he was he was getting all these explosive long runs and stuff. Pitt just has to stop giving up those explosive plays, and 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 they should be fine. Tennessee looked pretty good against Ball State in Week One, but we didn't get any more information about them. But I just think that the market seems to be way too high on Tennessee, and just like I was saying last week, they seem to be a bit lower on Pitt, and they haven't risen any on that. Even though Pitt did end up beating West Virginia by seven points, I think just because they didn't they didn't cover. But my adjusted line in this game, it's closer to pick them. Yeah, it, uh, it's definitely. Um... I, I think I'll avoid, like I said, because you like Pitt. I, I do think in my heart of hearts that Tennessee comes away with the dub here. So we'll come back next week and let you all know how that game went. Of course, you can think about us while you're watching that one. Uh, let's go to your picks, Thor, because looking at your sheet, there are a couple games where um, you know you like one team more than the other based on the spread. You're uh, just the ones that I have written down on the sheet right here. Um, Ohio at Penn State. Penn State is a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. You like Penn State by a couple more points than that. Um, is that one you're sticking to? Yeah, that's a – you know, we talk about, like, these big favorites, and I, I usually do not lay the points when it gets up over 25 or so. This is one where I'm for sure considering it. Um, my adjusted line in that game is Penn State minus 31.2. The live line is Penn State minus 24-and-a-half. So I'm showing almost a touchdown uh, of, of – of value on the favorite uh, on the big favorite which my system usually doesn't do so that's what's pointing me at, at Penn State I think a part of the reason that Ohio is getting the respect that they are in the market right now is last week they go out and they they beat FAU a team that the previous week had slapped around an FBS team it's just that the team that FAU had slapped around was Charlotte, who we talked about previously, after Charlotte's starting quarterback got hurt. And then last week, Ohio sneaks by him by a field goal. But I feel like the law of, uh, not reciprocity, the law of, like, you know, you go from A to B to C. I, I feel like Ohio, because of that, is is getting too much respect. And it doesn't seem like the, the market loves Penn State right now, but this profiles as a game where they should be able to run over the Bobcats. Uh, what about um, we've got Maryland minus 27 at Charlotte. Uh, you see some value on the Charlotte side a little bit, it looks like. Yeah, my just so this game is in Charlotte. So so it's this wonky game where Maryland has to travel to the G5 team. You Like you mentioned, 27 points. My line in this game is Maryland minus 22.2. But I will say, going back to that Chris Reynolds injury that I just alluded to, Chris Reynolds gets hurt early on in that game against FAU in week zero. The offense stunk after he went out. That's part of the reason why FAU boat raced him. And then last week he was out again, of course, he missed that game and Charlotte loses at home to William and Mary by double digits. Not a good luck losing at home to to (laughs) William and Mary by double digits. Um, You know, if Reynolds misses this game as well, I think that might wipe out some of that value that, that I'm showing on this line. But if they got good, good information about him, um, you know, if, if you happen to be active, that would change it. So I probably won't bet on Charlotte unless, unless I hear something good about Reynolds. Otherwise, I'm probably going to stay away. Uh, UVA on the road at Illinois. Illinois is a four-point favorite. But, Thor, you like the Cavaliers in this game a little bit. Now, look – I love, uh, you know, rooting for our Kirkland, Wisconsin in <laughs> Illinois here. I still love that line. It's such a good line. Uh, but, um, and I, you look, they beat the spread and hit the under. I had both those in my article last week, so I was very happy with them. But 
you know, I'm probably a stay away in this game because I do think this is way more evenly matched. I like Brendan Armstrong uh, for UVA. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Is this a UVA dub here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, the, the, the books have been putting out a lot of weird lines on, on Illinois. It seems like they vacillate back, back and forth, whatever. And, and because their lines have, have, I mean, this is the third straight week where their line has been like the game that they're involved with. have been significantly off for mine. Um, last week it was, we liked them against Indiana because the books had opened it up at like Indiana minus four and by kickoff, it had come down to three, but like, I didn't really understand why, you know, you were favoring Indiana by that much based on what you'd see. Now, Indiana ended up pulling that out at the very end. They shouldn't have, though. Um, Illinois outplayed yeah. them up until that point, and then, and then you know, Everything Illinois did. just got Bielema or whatever. But um, <laughs> but then it, it's weird because you come off of that game. Well, uh, going back the previous week, you blow out Wyoming in week zero. You looked really good. But then the books seem not to be respecting you like they should when you're going up against Indiana. But then, you know, now you come back off that where you lose to Indiana. Maybe you should have won, but you lost. And the next week, the books are now all of a sudden giving you respect that I don't think is warranted against Virginia. So I don't know what the books in the market are doing with it. It's sort of discombobulated me. I'm getting dizzy trying to figure out what, what, what they're both doing. But <laughs> what, what grounds me back to earth is, is my line. My line in this game has moved to um, Virginia minus 3.1. So when you're looking at the books have it at Illinois minus 4.5, I have the other team favored by a field goal or so. I'm showing 7.6 points of line value on Virginia. Virginia's going to have a difficult time dealing with the downhill running that Illinois does. Talked about how big their offensive line is. They should be able to run. However, Illinois is going to have just as much problems and probably more defending Virginia's passing attack. Virginia has four different receivers that I believe will play in the NFL Brennan Armstrong also is probably going to play in the NFL. If he doesn't, he's going to be a USFL all-star is, is kind of what, what his game is. You know, he's like this dual threat yeah. lefty that, that can throw a little bit, but certainly accuracy, at least out to the intermediate sector, he can push it downfield too. But with all those bodies across the field, I think that's going to be a real issue for Illinois uh, secondary in specifically in terms of defending it. I like Virginia to win this game. Uh, and just uh, so everybody knows that money line would be plus 165 on UVA. So I'll tell nice, you. nice juice there. I'm going to parlay. Um, I'm going to parlay that with the Pittsburgh one. <laughs> I think that's these, like plus 700, something like that. These last three are ugly games, Thor. So I'll just group them all together. Love ugly games. Michigan minus 51. You see a little value on the Hawaii side because 51 is absurd. Uh, Iowa somehow is a three and a half point favorite at home. Um, but you like them even more than that, even though they had a pathetic showing last week. And um, uh, Colorado State is uh, a road that they're um, minus seven and a half against Middle Tennessee. You like Middle Tennessee in that game. So any of those three games stick out to you? Those ugly, nasty games there that no one wants to watch. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> the, the market may end up putting a gun to my head to bet on Hawaii again. <laughs> I, I don't I, know that I've seen a line. Uh, I know I know that there's been a line this big, Alabama versus somebody, uh, but I don't remember the last time we had. You don't, yeah, you don't see lines this big very often. Um, and Michigan, it's <laughs> they don't have like the spread it out, chuck it downfield, ag aggressive type uh, offense. But 
Hawaii is so friggin' bad. Um, you know, I, I think I mentioned before, but they're bottom three in the FBS in my power rankings right now. So it's it, it'll be hard for me to get there. But if the market keeps pushing that lineup, you know, it's a whatever it was, 52 right now, whatever it is. Um, if, if that thing ends up getting into the mid-50s, the market, they're going to force my hand. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to. I'm certainly not going to lay that amount of points with Michigan, but I know how bad Hawaii is. So it's, it's going to be tough. But again, with that many, with that big of a head start, I, I might just have to do it and play like the tortoise and the hare kind of a thing. <laughs> um, Iowa, of, of the three games that you tossed out, the Iowa one is the one that I like. Uh, I think that line is too low. And I understand why people don't want to bet on the Hawkeyes because their offense looked objectively field goal. Yeah. Objectively awful. They became the first team since before 2000. We actually, I still have not seen someone dig up the last time that this occurred in college football, but a couple of different people looked at least through the year 2000. And, and since then there had not been another team that had scored exactly seven points in the FBS without an offensive touchdown. Like no Iowa. highlights, you know, why Thor, no camera phones back then. So, uh, no highlights of those games. Could have if, been. if nobody was, re- you know, there's no big 10 network. If nobody was recording them. Uh, you know, we may not have an archive. I'm sure someone was recording it, but, uh, probably, probably fairly grainy film there. So we'll see. Yeah. The, but like, I think what's lost a little bit is I was, so this could be the worst offense of the Ferentz era. I'm not going to argue with that, but this might be the best combination of defense and special teams of the Ferentz era as well. Their defense might be top three in the nation, just absolutely nasty. And their special teams is awesome too. Specifically the punter who is an absolute beast. This kid named Tory Taylor from Australia. He will be punching in the NFL. He's got a monster leg and he is really good at the coffin corner stuff. So like, yes, Iowa's offense is bad, but they play even more conservative because of how much they trust the the defense and the special teams. And you say, you know, well, Thor, I mean, you have a team that can't play any offense. You know, mm-hmm. sure, their defense is good, but like, how could you lay three and a half points against Iowa State? You know, in this this rivalry game and a, a Big Twelve opponent, whatever. Like Iowa, Iowa without an offense, like how how could they cover that? Just look at last year. Last year, Iowa blew out Iowa State with like 150 yards of total offense. They turned over Brock Purdy, I think three or four times. They had He's in the NFL now. He's in the NFL. And so, so is Brees Hall, so is Charlie Kolar, so yeah. is a, some a of their of offensive line. pieces. Yeah. They, this is the other point of it. Iowa lost everybody. They lost everybody. They lost all their studs on offense and I believe they lost eight starters on defense. They returned only three. People are making fun of Iowa, but Iowa played a top-line FCS team. South Dakota State's one of the best, you know, yeah. FCS teams. Whereas Iowa, who did Iowa State play, right? Like, and and so just because of the the circumstances of where Iowa be, Iowa's offense became a punchline on Saturday, but people weren't paying attention to Iowa State. I feel like that's why this thing is a little bit closer. But if you just start parsing it, you know, unit against unit. Iowa State has almost nothing that you would look at and you'd be like, I trust that. Their offense has gone to a bunch of like these young guys that we haven't seen before. They like a couple of them, like Jarrell Brock had a, had a good game in, in their opener. Um, Deckers looked okay South too. East Missouri State, by the South, way. That's Southeast like. Missouri State. So, <laughs> you know, there, there you go. But this will be the first time that those two kids, are, you know, have the the bullets flying around them against a really, really good defense like this. So mm. that that's going to be tough. Plus you're playing in Kinnick in this enormous rivalry game 
Uh, don't, they're going to, Iowa State's going to be getting a lot of hate. You know, there's going to be a lot of negative energy going towards them there. Um, and so you have all those different things going on. And I also don't trust Iowa State's defense. Now, again, sure, Iowa's offense is bad. I get it. But I was starting running back was out in the last game, may have been withheld for precautionary reasons. If he's back in this game, he's probably their second best offensive player behind Sam Laporta, you know, like, you know, outside the offensive line, whatever. You get him back. Maybe then you can at least play the clock control kind of a thing, which will allow him to do the field position thing better. My line in this game is Iowa minus six and a half, which I think is fair from a talent on talent perspective. And I do think that Iowa's going to cover that number. All right. Well, look, that will wrap it up for us this week. We appreciate Thor bringing the knowledge here. Of course, you can follow him on the Twitter at Thor KU. Uh, Thor, once again, you know, we talked about it last week, but uh, for people who are just jumping in or watching us for the first time, kind of lay out your CFB schedule throughout the week so they know where they can find all your awesome content. Yeah, so so first in the week on betting pros, we put out my uh, 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 power rankings. You know where it's like one through thirty, uh, one through one hundred and thirty-one, and then all their their different things, and and you can use that to make your own uh, adjusted spreads at home by subtracting one from the other, and then whatever you give the home field advantage to the home team, you know, three points or, sure. or whatever it ends up being. Then the the next day we put out the the week one or the you know the coming weeks notes where it's my adjusted lines on every single game for the the coming weekend. And then all the injuries that are affecting spreads, um, different stuff like that, and the news that's affecting spreads, and then games that I'm betting on early. Um, and I think that that's really important because by the time it gets to Thursday, Friday, these lines have been so sharpened on both sides by the market that that most of the lines are good. You don't see you see a bunch of mistake lines on Sunday, or, or you know at least a small handful of them where they put it out and you're like that line is going to change real quick. Yeah, you don't see those anymore on Thursday. That's when you have right. to have a conviction on one side or the other. So, so that you know, we do that early, and that's also what we talk about on my show on Sundays with Thomas, where it's like these are the games that you need to bet early. Connecticut uh, was an example this week where they opened at twenty and a half. Immediately the next day, it was it was uh, uh, Syracuse against UConn, where then yeah. the next day Syracuse was minus twenty two and a half. So you know, different stuff like that. And then on Thursdays, when I do my best bets of the week. Those ones I'm betting against the the late week numbers, but that's when most of the market ends up doing. You know, you mentioned like late week is when most of the bets come in. That's when most people are doing it. So then I'm going to be betting against the the late week numbers. That one comes out on Thursday. Of course, I have the couple shows with you. Um, you know, yep. that we do on Wednesdays. Have the show with, on with Thomas on Sundays, and then with Mike Farrell, we do a Saturday kickoff show that's from uh, 10 a.m. Eastern. I'm trying to do the Eastern in my head because I'm in Central Time Zone. But <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, it's 10 a.m. Eastern to 11.30 Eastern in the morning. So it's like we end 30 minutes before kickoff in the mornings on Saturday. Um, but we go for an hour and a half, and we hit as many games on the card as we possibly can, giving out uh, side picks, total picks, uh, props, DFS, all my adjusted lines, the whole gamut. Awesome. Great stuff from Thor. You can follow me at Bogman Sports. I, of course, do this show with Thor that comes out every Thursday. Uh, we do stages at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern uh, for uh, Discord, where you can come in and ask us questions on the Betting Pros Discord. We would love to take your questions. I'm also going to be doing one on Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern by myself to talk about CFB and NFL lines, if anybody would like to, to join me in those. Uh, and also, I'm on CFB Winning Edge doing that show with my buddies nick allen and xavier trish so follow me on twitter at bogman sports to see all my stuff and that is going to be it we will see you guys next week good luck and we will see you then